Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. For the second show of the day, one of, uh, I always say this one of my favorite people, but I just have a lot of favorite people. That's okay. Uh, one of my favorite people, uh, he's a uh, uh, badass in, in, in pretty much every way you could, you could uh, conceive of the term. Uh, I've known him forever. He is one of the sweetest men you'll ever come across, but don't mess with him. <laughs> He's like Wu-Tang Clan. He's not to be effed with. So uh, Chris Guarino is on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, I was excited that you uh, got to cross paths with Jalal as he was leaving. I, I know you guys have history together. Oh, yeah. I was uh, there when he first opened. I, I carried one of his first heavy bags into his first original school with a dirt floor. It was very exciting. So you were not a Floridian uh, originally, correct? Yeah. I you... lived uh, New York. Uh, Whereabouts in New York? I was born in Brooklyn. I lived there till I was like five and then uh, moved out to Long Island, and I was there uh, till I was 18. And it was just you and your brother Anthony, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And uh, your parents, uh, what did they do? So I was raised by my grandparents and my great. Who I've had the opportunity to meet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, you know, few of them well. Um, my great grandparents and my grandparents actually raised me. Um, you know, my dad, he, you know, he made a lot of different life choices. Sure. He spent a lot of. A lot of time on vacation, if you'd say. (laughs) He went away. (laughs) Yeah, went away for a good part of my life, probably 17 years of my life. Um, And my mom, you know, she had some struggles, manic depression, schizophrenia, whatever. Uh, She was always around, but not, you know, not at the house and not really a motherly figure, but, you know, but. So how is it that you ended up moving from New York to Florida? Uh, my grandfather, he worked for um, Chase Manhattan Bank in New York, and then they had merged. Uh, they gave him a, you know, a retirement plan, and uh, I think he got a job consulting with Publix. So oh, wow. yeah, so he came down first, and then uh, I came down shortly, you know, shortly after. So you were already through with high school by the time you moved down here. Yeah, I just I had just graduated, and then within the year after I was I was here. Were you excited to move to Florida? Were you bummed to leave New York? What was that like? <laughs> I initially moved to Florida. We moved to uh, Valrico. Okay. And uh, you know, living in New York, and then all of a sudden, I had cows in my backyard. It was it was a it was a different, an absolutely different world. Uh, so I moved right back to New York, and uh, I stayed in New York by myself for about six months. And I realized, uh, you know, I needed to make a change uh, because things were, you know, things were not going in the in the in the greatest direction over there. How was it growing up in New York? I was I was blessed, you know. I lived in Long Island, and it's 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 not it's really it's a lot like Tampa, you know. It's it's not. I was never a city guy, you yeah. know. It's you know we had houses like here. Um, it's just kind of funny because in the neighborhood that we moved to was a very nice neighborhood, but everyone from Brooklyn had the same plan yeah. they, they they wanted to move their kids out of brooklyn because they were getting in trouble and right. they wanted to move them all to dix hills where we lived they're just moving all the bad kids <laughs> so, to so, so, so now that's the area you don't want to grow <laughs> so ironically you know there were these really nice neighborhoods and we were you know we were considered middle class you know upper middle class in today's society but at that time middle class but even in those neighborhoods you know we you know, we were not nearly the people who had money, you right. know. So, of course, trouble finds trouble. So we all we all linked up, you know, me and my buddies, my brothers. So, you know, we we uh, we made a lot of choices in life. And, um, you know, and uh, 
I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm now, here. Now, today, uh, you are a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You are a boxing instructor. They don't have, I mean, except for like championship belts in boxing. So, yeah. no way to kind of, you know, say that. And then, I don't know if you're yet an instructor, but God, I'd have to imagine you could be on a firearm, you know, safety, <laughs> use, whatever. This guy's got a, a gun collection that would put the armed forces to shame um and and i do want to talk about because you know that i sit pretty left politically and you know the left's kind of party line on guns so uh, but i but i i've found you in our exchanges to be very reasonable and very middle of the road and and just because you know how to use them and like them i think you take a pretty uh practical and reasonable stance on them you're not you know you know too too far in the other direction so, uh, but what is it that you picked up first? What is, what, was it boxing? I would have to imagine it was boxing because at that age, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, unless you lived in like California and were training with Hickson, just wasn't around. Yeah, so when I grew up, um, you know, my, my father, he was into boxing and my uncle. So even though I wasn't... You're an Italian in Long Island. Yeah, of, like, of, of course. It's, it's, like it's, a, it's like seventh period in high school. It's or kind of a natural progression. But believe it or not, I actually started wrestling first. I remember specifically I was in... I think I was in the first first grade and had a gym teacher. And then one time he just laid out these mats and he was like, take each other down. Yeah. And I had no idea what we were doing, but all I knew was that I can grab everyone and I can bring them down. Right. You know, and so he recognized it and he contacted my grandfather and he said, I pro I'm probably like six years old or seven or something. And he said, you know, this kid needs to wrestle. Well, phys physiologically, you are ideal in my view. I mean, you're not small, you're not big, you're not like when I say skinny, you're not skinny, but you're not. But you are one of the most gymnastic martial artists I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know if they're still up, but we'll get to it. There's a, there's a, there's about three or four videos of Chris that are must watches. Uh, a very recent one I'm going to want to talk to you about, but. I remember at some point early on when I knew you, there was a couple of you doing like flying arm bars and I think you even did like a flying triangle on somebody or something. And yeah, there's a flying rear naked choke video that, that's gone around. To get your body crazy, yeah. where you need to get your body to do what Chris did to this uh, opponent, not easy, even if you're good at these sports. And so you're just like a little howler monkey that just kind of <laughs> climbs all over people and does this insane stuff that... It's, it's just pretty crazy. But anyway, so wrestling was first. Yeah, wrestling was first. And, you know, it got into these intramural type because you're too young at that point, really, to How old were competitive. You again? I was like six years old. Oh, I was yeah. in the first so that, grade. Yeah, so yeah. it's more, I remember, like Tuesday and Thursday kind of intramural wrestling. And that progressed into middle school and then some of high school. Uh, so before that, I'd say in the beginnings of middle school, I also got into boxing. And it was more like, you know, in New York, we had things called smokers. Yeah, it was just with yeah, Jamal and so I were you know, about yeah. smokers. So it was just that. And it's, you know, it's it's amateur and it's, you know. So smokers, but, smokers, for those of you who want to know, aren't people who are, you know, <laughs> burning through a, a pack a day. Smokers are uh, fights where you have the people who train at the gym go up against each other and usually do it on like a Friday night or a Saturday night. And all the students come and watch. So that's what a smoker is for those who don't know. Yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you, at that time, you know, it, it, it wasn't, like, again, fighting wasn't so mainstream. I mean, boxing was, was something, and it was there, but it wasn't big in Long Island. 
Uh, it was definitely a Bronx and a Brooklyn thing. And, you know, I wasn't a city boy, so I wasn't going out what there. What year would this have been? Oh, Trying man. to think of who the boxers of that time were. Well, I mean, Tyson been. was everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I grew up, you got to remember, I was, I was, you know, I remember uh, Hagler versus uh, Sugar Ray. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and then, of course, Tyson was, I mean, it was, we would all meet and we'd watch. And that was, that was everything. Um, so these smokers, we would just go and, I mean, and you really had no idea who you're fighting. I mean, weight classes didn't matter. You know, it was, it was headgear or was it? No, there was no, there was no, you know, I didn't have a mouthpiece probably for the first 15 fights. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, you know, it's the blind leading the blind. Right. And we just fought and then we would do it, you know, my buddies in the backyard and stuff. It was just, you know. And, and, you know, there's, there's kind of a a moment of truth for people in the fighting sports, uh, and, and, for me, it's that first time getting punched in the face. Yeah. You learn a lot about yourself when you get punched in the face because there's a couple different reactions. That could be, A, your last time ever practicing any fight sport ever because it sucks. B, you get angry and you, your eyes roll back in your head and all rules and everything else are out, out the window and it's just a, a blood sport. And then C, you decide... Okay, I'm going to figure out a way to not get punched and, and how to punch the other guy. So I found that, you know, most people occupy A or B, but the chosen few go with C. Uh, I started boxing uh, out in uh, Safety Harbor, and I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. The gym's not there anymore. But I started, you know, in my 30s, and all the other kids there were in their 18. Yeah. You know, 18. So when I started boxing, I was boxing with the owner of the gym, who was like a couple years older than me. And this you know, just, he could hit me right on the button at yeah, will. And anytime like, he wants. I got to figure something out here because this isn't <laughs> going to do. And so luckily I didn't quit. I mean, uh, and, and I'm not, I, I think you know me, I'm more of a lover than a fighter. I'm not the person to go in a blind rage. So, you know, I got to do it a little bit longer and learn that, you know, boxing is a, a game of inches, you know. You just move an inch to the left, an inch to the right, and instead of taking a punch right in the middle of your face, it glances off your head, doesn't do the damage. And not only that is, you know, a lot of people, when they're in a fight, they think they got to run all over the place, and they wear themselves out and get themselves so, so tired. But I tell people, you just need to be one inch further away than what their reach is, oh. or, or just inside where they can put any, you know, stank on the punch, and it's just kind of catching you midstream and then you're golden so you watch a lot of these fighters and they're standing there in the pocket it's just 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 getting enough out of the way would you agree oh I'm yeah saying that like I, i'm some champ but well, I, well yeah. listen I, I people probably don't know you the way that i know you and it, it's funny because you're, you're you're you know you'll always talk yourself lower than what you are and and this will go into more later when we discuss guns but uh you're a proficient a proficient killer, and I know this sounds silly because you're. A I big, remember when yeah. I got my blue belt. You said congratulations. Now you can kill eighty percent of the people yeah. in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's the reality. You're a teddy bear, and we love you, and you're the sweetest guy ever. You know, but the reality is, is this that, God forbid, if you had to defend yourself or your family, uh, you'd have the ability to do so with relative ease against an untrained person, which is 99.99999% of society. So, yeah, absolutely. Back to boxing. Um, it, it's it's angles and fundamentals and the reality is that you know when you become a, a, a high level boxer proficient boxer it's not so much about 
getting, you know, missing or not getting hit. It's getting hit the right way. Because remember, if someone throws a punch and misses you, they can get that hand back to their body much face, much faster. So what we do is we, we want you to hit us, but, you know, we want you to hit us the right way. We want that return to be much slower so that we can counter. Because people are, are extremely vulnerable when they're extending and throwing the shots, right? Yeah. So if they're just 100% defensive, uh, it's going to be a lot harder to take someone out. And so. then isn't it true, too, that there's a, there's a world of difference between boxing for points and boxing for combat oh no question because you know you can get hit all day long in a, in a boxing match for points and you walk out of there fine you know but if you're throwing full full power punches you know you watch movies and these guys are decking each other 30 times number one you're going to break your hand if you hit somebody 30 times that's and, right and, and number two you're going to get knocked cold or or just be brain dead if you get punched 30 times oh, yeah, so yeah you know enter jujitsu <laughs> you know you you get punched enough you, it, and I, I would believe you agree with me then it's like i don't like standing up let's get on the ground the greatest happens. thing that ever happened to my boxing was learning jujitsu because what happened was, all these years, as only a stand-up fighter, and that's what I was for a long time, even though I was a wrestler, but wrestling is a very aggressive, physical, dominant type position sport, right? So All three of them are chess, or could they, we, you know, I, I remember, I don't know, it was Randy, uh, Randy, give me, who am I thinking of? Tour. Yeah, Randy yeah, Couture. Gotcha. I think he used the phrase kinetic chess. I don't know if he came up with it, <laughs> yeah. but it's physical chess. I, I would say boxing, wrestling, and jiu-jitsu, arguably jiu-jitsu being the top of the pyramid there. But it is, it is an intellectual endeavor as much as it's a physical endeavor, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No oh, question. Ahead, sorry. No, no, sorry, it's okay. No, no, it's okay. So what, what happened to me, you know, as being only a boxer, right, boxer slash wrestler, which means I wanted to be on top as a wrestler. You know, we don't want to be on our backs. So a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm for example, you and I, you're, you're, you got some decent size on me. If I was just sticking to boxing and wrestling, it's effort. You know what I mean? It's effort. I'm, it's going to take me a struggle to, to put you down, to hold you down, to control you. So the greatest thing that ever happened to my boxing was jiu-jitsu. Because what happened is, is the fear of going down is gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, it was always that kind of weapon in my back pocket where now I'm like, I can freely throw my hands, feel confident, and God forbid if I get taken down, you know, they're, you know, they're in trouble, you know? And if any of you want to question that, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link a video later on on our, our page. Is it still out there or is it, has there been a cease and desist? No, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been stolen and spread, okay. you know, so many, so many it's times. It's been on all the fight, you know? Yeah, it's everywhere. That's crazy. Have you become a celebrity because of that at all? I mean, not, not a celebrity, but uh, you get a lot of un, un, unwanted attention. I really, you know, that part I kind of wish it went, went away. I mean, there's some positives. Well, one of Hobson, too, with this huge. Have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This huge guy. So there's all these stories, in, 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 uh, especially jujitsu, uh, and we'll kind of go back through that in a minute of people walking into gyms and wanting to test their their medal against the people there or show that the, the owner of the school doesn't know what they're talking about. And most often <laughs> they get it handed to them yeah so kind of a similar situation with uh chris uh and then, then hobson who uh so by the way I, I i said this i think i said this to all i'm gonna say it to you yeah uh there's a lot of um loyalty in martial arts you are loyal to your school loyal to the people that you train with and that's a really really big and important thing so 
I did train with Ryan and I love Ryan and I met you through Ryan, but my, my, my education came primarily through Hobson Mora, Armin Yu, and then Tampa Muay Thai, who is Jalal that we just spoke with. I will be talking to Hobson at some point. He's in Brazil right now. And then also Lane Andrews and Anthony Coons, who are also teachers of mine. So I love you all. I'm, I'm wanting to promote you all. Uh, I'm arming you through and through, but uh, Chris is a lifelong friend and one of the more interesting people that you'll ever come across. So I'm just putting that out there because I don't want to get any text or well, calls. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? Well, I, first off, I get it 100%. You know yeah. what I mean? I've been with Ryan for, I mean, so many years now. And, and he, he's a police officer. I ran yeah. into him in the court. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's, yeah, he's Paso County Sheriff. Yeah. Great guy. You know, I'll forever, ever represent him uh forever have his back you know be there for him you know what he's given me in this life is you know i can never repay him so i get it i i I'm, understand completely that loyalty um but you know with me you know me i i, I train everywhere i go i love everyone you know what i mean I, i'll you know i just want it you know i love our thing i want to help people i want to learn i've been to Hobson a ton of times i mean he's amazing amazing you know best in the world some of the best in the world uh, so yeah, you got a great, you got a great team, a great family there. Now, did you start with Ryan in jujitsu or? I, well, I mean, I went, I walked into a few schools, um, and I took, you know, a couple of classes. And how old were you? Uh, 20, 22, I think I was. And so I'm, you were I'm in 40. Florida for just two, three years. Yeah. Well, not very long. Uh, my daughter was young. She, she's probably like three years old or four or something like that. Um, and I started, uh, you know, I went to a few different places. I went to a place called Tampa Fight Academy right across from Falkenberg for like a while, maybe like a year. Who was the instructor there? I don't know. Don't Some remember, blue yeah. belt guy, very sweet, small yeah. guy. It was my first kind of, but it was a very Nogi top game wrestling based type. Let's talk, okay, Nogi okay, and top sorry. game because yeah. not everybody that's listening to this knows what it is. So with the jiu-jitsu, you have uh, the traditional uniform, which we call a gi some people call a kimono but that's the uh most they have them all different colors but mostly you know is the jacket that you see the white jacket and the white pants like pajamas like pajamas and uh then there's a belt system in jiu-jitsu which tells you where you're at in your uh in your journey and so you start out as a white belt some schools go to a green belt but all schools go to a blue belt from a white belt then it's a purple belt then it's a brown belt then it's a black belt and then once you're a black belt, there's degrees of black belt. Now, they'll give you stripes. They say stripes when you're in the colors under black belt. So if you look at the belts, they're the color that I'm describing. And at the end, there's this little black patch or little black section of the belt where they'll put athletic tape usually that's yeah, around. that's right. Sometimes it's white electrical tape. <laughs> but that might say, you know, you're new to this color. You've been at this color for a while. You're dominating this color. You're about ready to go to the next color. That's usually, it's usually at most three stripes before you're the next color. But so that's how it works. And uh, the, what I wanted to say, you know, we were talking about the proficiency and being able to kill people. One of the greatest things that I loved about jujitsu was, is I was already an attorney when I was, I actually started, before I even went to, went to uh, Ryan Cook, I, there was a, God, oh man, it's going to kill me that I'm forgetting his name right now. But he was an instructor. Uh, I think he was under Rob. No, who's the Clearwater School? The Clearwater uh, uh, Gracie School. Oh, uh, oh my God. Eduardo de Lima. Eduardo de Lima. He yeah. was a black belt under Eduardo de Lima. He was an attorney too. He went to Stetson with me. Oh, wow. And he started, Eduardo, he brought Eduardo out to Stetson. And so when we were at Stetson, they were renovating the library. 
And so they had the library closed, and we threw out tumbling mats. Wow. And Eduardo came out there. Oh, it's going to kill me. Do you remember his name? Hopefully I'll remember it by the end of this. It's kind of a different name, but in any event. So uh, that's that was my first introduction. Oh, Ryan into... wasn't even black back then. Ryan yeah. had to be like a brown belt. Well, Ryan, I didn't know Ryan yet. Gotcha, so gotcha, gotcha. Ryan I met through Dina's family. Cause yeah, Ryan yeah, was yeah. Close yeah. With Kristen I remember and Ryan. that. So, but anyway, so that's – and so Professor Finch and I were rolling around on the ground in the, in the closed library with Eduardo <laughs> coaching us. But, uh, in, but in any event, with lawyering, what do lawyers wear all the time? You wear a suit. Okay. And yep. so that suit jacket is very similar to the kimono or the yep. gi that we wear in jiu-jitsu. So I would just daydream constantly <laughs> in court when you know, I was getting you know, shit from the other attorney. It's like, God, I could just, I could just, I could just grab the lapels of your jacket. I put you to sleep in about five sure seconds. So. so you're about to start the the, the dreaded jujitsu um, dispute. You know, the gi versus no I'm gi. gi all day oh, long. I but know. Here's the reason why is because I'm a, I'm a. I know exactly why. Why? Tell me why. Here's here's a reason and here's a reality. Uh, and and I'm becoming a gi player. I mean, I've always been a gi and you, no gi guys guy. Guys like you go through a cycle for sure. You for start sure. Start gi, go knee. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Well, I mean, at, it, with age, with age, uh, uh, we we end up liking the gi because we can slow people down. With age and cardio, and cardio, which be is nice. always, I be think, nice. Yeah, you're you're being nice to me. I don't think cardio is a problem for Chris. Car, I, I have tapped out because of cardio. Yeah, probably as much as I've tapped out because I'm being put in a submission before. So yeah, so the gi slows the game down for sure. So you can you can hold on to someone's lapel. You can hold on to their sleeve. You can hold on to the cuff of their pants. You can hold on. At their thighs, you can. There's all these different things, and it keeps people tight to you and not moving around so much. Nogi, you got these guys, and Chris comes in and like g strings now. Yeah, he, like, barely, he wears barely. as little clothes as possible. <laughs> these little sweaty guys just are all over you, and you can't grab them. And when they have great cardio, it's just. Yeah, misery. It's it's, yeah, it's misery for, for sure for big big guys like me. But, <laughs> for sure, so that's why I'm gi. But but I think. Well, tell me what you think. Do you think there's more art to gi than to no gi? So here, here's my 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 perspective. Okay, um, I love no gi. No gi is 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 it's a lot of fun. It's free. My style is a no gi style. You know, I'm I'm athletic. I'm fast. I'm slippery. I have a, you know a very unique, different type of jujitsu. You know that people have a hard time with. If anything, with the gi, people can slow me down. It forces me. The gi rather forces me to do technical jujitsu. But here's the, the real reason why I, I absolutely will always do the gi. I can never imagine doing something and not mastering all of it. And that's very much Chris, by the way, if you don't know him. He, he doesn't go halfway into anything, whether it's jiu-jitsu, boxing, uh, street, bike, uh, what do you call that? Cycling. Cycling, uh, firearms, uh, being a nurse, uh, is it a nurse? Can I yeah, it? yeah, okay. I'm a nurse. Yeah, uh, proud. Being a father, for sure. He, 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 the, he. It's a metamorphosis. He becomes that. He doesn't stop until he knows the what, the why, the how, the when, the whatever. He just is f- all in, and that's that's one of the you know very appealing things about Chris. So anyway, getting back to why why the gi is why you'll always keep training in the gi. Yeah. So my grandfather told me something years back and he's, you know, he's the man that raised me. And, and he told me, he said, Chris, whatever you do in life, you know, do it to the best of your ability. And he even told me, he said, if you're going to be a criminal, be a great criminal. If you're going to be a, you know, upstanding citizen, be a great upstanding citizen. And no matter the job or the task, 
take it seriously and six and, and you know and excel and 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 be passionate about it. So that being said, I, c- I could never imagine doing jujitsu for as many years as I have, and then having one glaring part of that jujitsu where I'm a novice. I, you know what I mean? I, I just I, I I couldn't. And that happens. I mean, uh, sure. There's guys who are yes. hell on so top and bottom with jujitsu. Of course, you're on the ground. So usually one guy is on his back, and the other guy is is not on his back. He's either, you know, there's there's in jujitsu when you're in the top position, you can be in the guard, which means you're have the person who's on their back with their legs around you. You can be in half guard, which means that they have both their legs around one of your legs. You can be in side control, which means that you're perpendicular to the person you got your knees tucked up under their side and you're, you're securing their shoulders and their head and all that uh, knee on belly which is where uh, you got your knee kind of on their sternum and your other leg like a kickstand and you're controlling them that way um, well it's mounts Mount. you're on top of the person you know you're sitting on top of them uh, re- the, the back position you're taking the back so you're behind them and you got you know your legs kind of your feet hooked over their hips and you're, you're controlling their arms and their shoulders. And then what's, what's the 69 there? What's that called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that have a name? 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, Yeah. Oh, no, you mean 69. You mean uh, North, South. North, North South. South. Thank you. you. North no South. Problem. No problem. Yeah, don't say 69. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, <laughs> but th- so those are the basic positions, but uh, you'll have guys who are very good on their back and horrible on top. You'll have Correct. guys who are very good on top who are horrible on their back. You have guys who are really good on the ground, but they don't know how to take anybody down or defend the takedown. Correct. So just within jujitsu, there's a lot of areas to master. So what I run into, for example, is, you know, you go against these high-level black belts, brown belts, purple belts, no-gi guys, right? And then um, they're just, they're they're lost. They're lost with the gi, you know? And uh, so to me, you know, like anything else, you know, I, I wanted to do it fully and completely. Um, I came from Ryan Cook, which is a Gracie Baja background. How did you meet Ryan? Just walking into schools, like you said? Or? Yeah, like I said, I went to a few different schools, you know, trying some stuff out. I spent almost a year at this, you know, Tampa Fight Academy. Nice guy. Uh, not a ton of great jiu-jitsu, but nice guy. And we were fighting, so I was having fun. You yeah. know what I mean? I didn't know any better. Uh, and then I, I just passed. I was, I, I was passing a school, and I saw it said jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. And I said, okay, let me, let me check it out. Uh, I went in there, and I mean, it, it changed my life. I mean, absolutely changed my life. Uh, Ryan, you never looked back. I mean, you've never fallen out of it. You've gone full time ever since, which is pretty impressive because most people do what I do, which is you know either train for six months and quit, or train for a few years and then kids come in the way or work gets in the way or whatever. But I mean, it, it takes. What do they say? If you're going routinely, it takes about ten years to get your black belt, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, four days a week, ten years is a is a fair. It's a good average yeah. uh, nowadays. Um, well, over time, um, you know, I, you say I keep going. You know, it's a curse and a blessing. You know, the reason why I'm, you know, I find myself. People say I'm compulsive. You know, about things yeah, like I you would mentioned, say that's true. <laughs> cycling and you know, and, and guns and and whatever else. You know, I, I don't see it that way. Uh, I'm a kind of guy that I motivate myself. I, I'm very highly motivated, you know, um, and I, I like to be active. Uh, but I take my health and I take my safety very, very seriously. Uh, you know, I work in an This indi- is like an Olympian. I mean, the no, guy, well, but you, you, I've seen you, you ride your bike from like, you know, uh, Citrus Park to Clearwater and back or whatever, whatever Put it is. Put some miles and in for sure. I can't drive that far without stopping <laughs> three times. So it's pretty impressive. 
you know, I live in an environment, you know, I, I live in a world of death. You know, as an ER nurse, uh, I see the realities of, of being unhealthy. Uh, I see the, uh, the realities of violence. See the realities of people with substance abuse issues yeah. and how that can encourage violence or... Constantly. Yeah. You know, constantly. And, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of different types of nursing, right? And I've done ICU. I've done pediatric. I've done a lot of stuff, right? Um, being an ER nurse is very, very, very different. Um, being in the ER in general, you don't have to be a nurse. You can be a medic, a doctor, whatever. It's very different because you, you see the, 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 the real... Your boots on the ground. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, 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 you know... Have it's, you ever done ambulance stuff or no? I never did. Okay. I, I, gratefully, you know, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, it's I've not for... horror stories about yeah, that. No, yeah, no, not for me. I, God bless those guys and girls who do it. You know, yeah. they come, they bring me patients all the time. Yeah. I don't love them all the time, but... Uh, so being in the ER, it's, it's a real reality. So, you know, because of this, you know, it really, you know, I don't, I don't know... God, who he is, who he is, and who she is, who she is, you know, whatever. All I know is that life is fragile. And, you know, in my mind, I have one to live. So I lived a life of like three or four people, you know? Well, not only that, but you, I think one of the ways that we're very much alike is we are probably on the high end as far as passionate fathers. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I see you with your boys and your daughter, and it's, you know, just. You kiss everybody. I mean, you've of kissed course. me in court before. You, you know, it was a kiss on the cheek and a hug and all this other stuff. You know, he's a he's a softy at the same time as being a badass. But um, you you know, I know you love your family and are very kind of protective of them. Oh, so, yeah. um, you know, I, I definitely can identify with you in that way. So, uh, when it, you've had your black belt for a couple of years now, right? Yeah, I just got my first degree, first stripe. Um... December, so you get that in three years. So I've had it now three years in December. God, it's crazy. Or October. Around. When I met you, I think you were a purple. Maybe a blue. Maybe. I, I don't think you were a blue. Oh, maybe a purple. Blue at the same oh, time. oh, okay, I, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But there's purple. one day I can remember when my office was down in uh, down on uh, Franklin Street, not Franklin Street, Jackson Street. Uh, you drove to the office. We hopped in my car. We went to Hobson School when it was out there on Manhattan or Henderson at Anthony's place. And uh, you're sweet as pie, uh, you know, but it, it, it's just like, oh, man, you know, there's, there's a, I, I've got a long way to go. And then, of course, Jason Scarborough. Where's oh. Jason living? Uh, is he in Texas? Is he in Texas? I think he's in Texas. Well, let's say we love Jay, if he hears this. Yeah. We, we love you Jay. You can't talk about Ryan Cook and Chris Garino without not, talking not about Jason Not Jay. Scarborough. Let me tell you about Jay real fast, because I think it's important, right? My first jiu-jitsu tournament ever, ever. By the way, I've been training not long, you know, not long with Ryan at that point. And Jay kind of took me under his wing, and I said, hey, I'm going to compete. And at that point, I've wrestled a ton. I've boxed, you know, a, an absurd amount. You know, I want to do jiu-jitsu. And I remember, it's so funny. And, and to the outside world, if you know, Jay is Jay's what, 6'5", 6'4", 6'2". How tall are you? 6'3", Everyone's 6'5", compared yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> so Jay's big, and he's not a small guy. Too. He's a Texan, too. Yeah, big old Texan. Anyway, long story short, he let me borrow his shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 5'7", 154, okay? So anyway, he let me borrow shorts. He showed me where to buy my first gi, and he was right there with me, my first and only, you know, my first tournament at that time. Uh, and he stayed with me all day long, and it, was, and it meant so much to me. Because uh, if you know Jay, he's not the most open guy at times. Uh, you know, if he has a very, very tight if circle. If he likes you, he loves yes, you. If exactly. he doesn't like you, he really does And like I wasn't you. sure if he fucking liked yeah, me, because yeah, the yeah. way he killed me in class every day, yeah, I thought yeah, he hated me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I appreciate him. I love you, Jay, if you're listening. And uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, so where were we going with that? How are we talking about Jason Scarborough? Oh, oh so t you, you went to Hobson, and then I had some tournament. At some, it was some crazy, it was like 
there's like a gym that's out here in like New Tampa in the middle of a neighborhood. And you were coaching one of your young Oh, guys. yes, I remember. And I remember I Marcos a, Flores threw that tournament, I think it was. I think it was Marcos. Was Is that some you, random? That, that's, your, that's your buddy that of course, you guys are of like course, a married Of couple. course, I love and hate him, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's great. You guys, you guys came up together and pretty much got your belts at the same time. I'll tell you a fast story about this. And, yeah, and give, we'll, give we'll, him a story we'll, so that he'll listen to yeah, this. Yeah, we'll meet Marcos, listen to this. He was my employee. I worked at, We worked at a mortgage company together. And, you know, uh, Marcos is a guy that lacks, uh, does not lack confidence in anything he does. You know what I mean? So even though he would drive me crazy, I had to respect him because I could see the belief he had in himself. And a lot of times, you know, I'm, it gets you through things. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I had that same crazy belief in myself. Anyway, I saw that in him. He was told me about he had done judo and stuff like that. And I was very deep into jiu-jitsu at that point. And I said, hey, you got you to gotta come with me. You got to come. And he never stopped going. And now he runs. He almost one caught of up to you, didn't he? I mean, you guys got Oh, he got, his, bla- he got his black belt before me. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. He went, he went off to different schools and stuff because life happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, you Is know, he still around here or did he move? No, he moved. He's in uh, – well, I think he just moved back here. That's going – you know, I think he's just moved back here. But he travels all the time with uh, his company uh, – um, oh Jesus! Grappling Industries, which oh, so is he's, he's it works oh he, he he runs it he runs it. What he is had, Grappling Industries? It is one of the biggest. Uh, it could be the biggest at this point, next to Naga, uh, jujitsu tournament okay. you know in the world. So that tournament we had, and I I was in that. I think I, I think that might have been my first competition as a blue belt. I think I just got my blue belt, and uh, you were so sweet because you were training somebody else and they had a little side room with the mats at, and you're like, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna do da 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 da, and you gave me this, you know, great plan. And my big problem with, and, and I think this happens to a lot of people with competitions, is after you do them, it doesn't happen. But I would get the worst adrenaline. Oh hits. yeah. You know, I would be so confident in class, and I would, you know, not. I was never the best. I was never the worst. You know, I definitely had parts that I was good at, but you know, I wasn't afraid of anybody in the For class, sure. and I, I could hang in there during matches. But I get into these tournaments, and like I couldn't feel my hands. Oh yeah. I would start. It was just crazy, and I and you know. Anybody who who competes and does jujitsu will get tell it. you, after a while that will go away. For sure. Um, but I, I was I was right in the thick of. I remember the night I got my blue belt, uh, uh, Marcelo. What do we call him? Marcelo Henrique? Uh, a Pedapano Cruz? Is that what you're talking about? Pedapano? No. no, this no, not not no. This was a Marcelo that trained. Oh, okay, Hobson. gotcha. He put me to sleep the night I got my blue belt. <laughs> I was like, "Welcome to blue belt." Welcome. <laughs> yeah, and I remember I was. Have you ever gone out? Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So it was nighttime class, and I didn't have any kids yet, and we're rolling around. And I used to love Marcelo because you have those guys that you roll with. And so when you train jiu-jitsu with people, when you're sparring, you call it rolling. So, you know, you roll with a bunch of people, but do you, did you ever do you ever have those guys that you just love to roll with? Oh, you of, guys course. Just, of course. You're moving through all the positions. Yeah. Like yeah. no one's going too hard. No one's yeah. going too light. It's pretty even. Sure. You're getting to work your game. That was Marcelo. I just loved. He was a Brazilian. I loved training with him, and he was ahead of me. Um, but then all of a sudden, I had this dream where I was eating like an ice cream sandwich, <laughs> and something about this ice cream sandwich, I couldn't bite into it. I just couldn't bite into this ice cream sandwich. I was like, "What's going on?" And then slowly, like the blood came back to my head, and I was chewing on my mouthpiece. So the ice cream sandwich in my dream was my, my mouthpiece, mouthpiece, which. 
Oh. Shortly thereafter, I stopped wearing <laughs> for that very specific reason. You know when you start jiu-jitsu, you wear the cup and you wear the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people progress out of those like, completely. sick of people grinding yeah, their cup yeah. into your jaw. <laughs> yeah, you get tired of it. on your mouthpiece and your headgear and everything. By the way, public service announcement, never mess with a person with cauliflower ear. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah if you see the picture of Chris, and I hope that's not offensive to you, oh, no. the quickest way to know that someone's going to just dust you is if they got cauliflower ear. <laughs> if you don't know who that is, look it up. But in any event. So uh, that was that was my night as blue belt. But anyway, you you were so sweet to, to train me before that one and, the, and that one other class. Um, so where are you teaching now? So I teach at American Top Team Tampa, ATT Tampa. Uh, Ralph Garcia, uh, he owns the school. He's been there for like a long, long time. Uh, it used to be world class martial arts. Ralph is a you know a part of this community. I'll give you an example. One of those schools I told you I went to before Ryan, uh-huh. the first school I ever stepped foot in was Ralph Garcia School, uh, world class on Waters Avenue, uh, and there was just I mean it, it, the the, the uh, just a bunch of monsters. You know they were doing this stuff before it was mainstream. Yeah. You know I started this before it was mainstream, and they were there be- way before me. Who, who are the, the founders of American Top Team? I, I, w- I used to know it, but now I Oh, you're going to put me on the spot. It's, it's, uh, here's my thing, uh, and it goes back to me being a jiu-jitsu whore, uh-huh. right? Uh, as loyal as I am to Ryan Cook, Ryan and I had a very good understanding. Ryan is a realist. I'm a realist. I said, listen, let me go and train with as many good people as I can train with so I can get as good as I can be at this. Yeah. And he never questioned my loyalty. So he used to let me go train, and I trained everywhere. Yeah. There's not one school that I have not been in in Tampa, and there's not one school to this day I'm not invited to if I want to come. So uh, even though I teach at ATT, I'm not officially an ATT black belt. I, I don't really know their lineage. It's, it's going to hurt people's heart to hear them say this. You know what I mean? Well, you can uh, it up easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean, they're, they're the originators, though. The ATT guys, it, I think it's Coconut, Coconut Creek. Uh, you know, their facility over there is amazing. And, they're, you know, they're one of the originators of all this. One of the longest ones around and probably put out more fighters than, than anywhere Those else. Those are the two twin brothers that were the heavyweights in UFC. Am I... Am I... Oh, Who man. are the two Brazilian brothers? Um, oh, the Nogueira brothers? Yeah. I'm not sure. If, it, if American Top Team Nogueira? I'm not sure. I don't think so. And they did like black black something with Anderson Silva. They black did, Zillions or something uh, yeah. like that. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not really, you know, I try to. the big teams now? I remember there was Alliance. There was American Top Team. Uh, there, uh, of course, Gracie. And then within Gracie, there's. Yeah, so you have you say, you have some of these, you know, a lot of them are like jujitsu based. You know, I don't want to make people mad, but I would think Gracie Baja, you're going to have more pure jujitsu left, right? A lot of the schools now are MMA. A lot of people want to do, you know, both, and you're going to get a little bit of everything. Um, You know, there's uh, what are those ones that Holly Holm and all come out of? I think that's like a monster camp. Oh, that's Greg Jackson. Yeah, I think that's like huge. Mexico or whatever. Yeah, but I think there's so many now. I mean, look, look in Tampa. Remember when we started? You know what I mean? I mean, there was no one. Ryan, there was Rob Khan, and that was pretty much it. It was Eduardo and Rob Khan in the beginning. Yeah, that was it. You know what I mean? And then offsets of them have. And that's, Hobson moved in. Then right Hobson around. came. He yeah. came like the year before I started. And, and then Paytapano came and some other, you know, big the names. Brazilians infiltrated. Yeah, 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 yeah. They came. But in the, in the beginning, it was just those two. It was Rob and Eduardo. Yeah. So uh, where, where's, where's your gym located? Uh, we're in Citrus Park okay. on Wilski Road. Beautiful little facility. Great. I teach on Monday nights. So I'll make this announcement for the world. Um, any EMS, any first responder, any military, any police officer, anyone, you can come to my Monday class forever for free. Sign a waiver and train. And that's it. I don't ask questions. I don't whatever. I'll work you at your level. You work with the team. And that's it. It's my way of giving back. You know that's what I mean? Awesome. Absolutely. Really cool. 
Absolutely. And do you just teach Monday nights or do you teach other? I, my, my business is private lessons. Okay. I mean, that's, that's my business. Okay. You know, I, I don't want to own a school. I don't want to do any of that. I don't want the overhead. I don't want the stress. Everyone loves me in this community. They let me train where I want. I have a, a handful of great guys I've been with forever that do privates with me. Uh, I do sparring rounds with a lot of up-and-coming fighters. I help them do that. Uh, so that's that's mainly my business, paid sparring and private. How do people find you? Do you have a, a website? Do you have an email? Do you no, have a... it's just you know word of mouth and social media. Social okay. media is great. You yeah, know, and this is it just your your personal page, or do you have a? a no, no, page? I just do my personal page. Okay. Uh, I do my uh, my Facebook. My name Christopher Guarino. Okay. And I do I love meatball three 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 on Instagram. Okay. And I mean that's where I get like the bulk of my business. And what are the, do you, is it kind of. I at teach. your discretion the rates, or do you have a set rate, or how does that well, work? Well, I mean, I usually charge 100 an hour, but yeah. I, I work I with work some with people, people, you know, and we do bowl class and stuff like that. So uh, we, we touched on boxing, we touched on wrestling, we touched on jiu-jitsu. How did you get into cycling? <laughs> so, you know, I consider myself a person who's, you know, a combative person, you know, a, a fighter, you know, in a good way, you know. Touch on that, because I think people have this perception of people in this world, okay. and, you know... I just had Jalal in here, who you know. Yeah. And Jalal, Jalal could easily be living in like a shanty on the beach in Hawaii, surfing, like the most unassuming, low-key, non-threatening person in the world. For sure. Now, personality-wise, you're right there. I mean, you're a little bit more colorful. You know, you got yeah. your you got your New York accent, a and bit. you you kiss and hug and talk <laughs> with your hands, and of course, you know, you got the sleeves on your arm, tat, tat sleeves on your arms, and cauliflower here. So you maybe look the look a little bit more, but from a personality perspective by no means are you threatening for sure um what do you you know what do you have to say about that because i think the perception is you know people want to be violent that get into this or it's violent oh. people who get into this or people who do this are violent people i mean it's here's 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 what i've come across in my life okay so first off you know there is this dispute so by no means do i consider myself a martial artist right i i i i I just have always been better at fighting than anything else I've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, and what it's done for me in my life by training so much, by competing, by pushing myself, by challenging myself, it's calmed me. You know, when you train at the level that we trained for as long as we train and we push ourselves so much, it, it, everything else in life is easier. You know what I mean? A bad day at work is, is, you know, is nothing can get, you know, compared to getting your, you know, orbital socket broken and right. your nose broken and Have teeth knocked out. you had your orbital broken too, right? Yeah, my orbital. Yeah, Jalal, Jalal had yeah. his orbital broken. I've never had my, I've had, I think I've had my nose broken. Yeah. I've been knocked out with a kidney shot before. Miserable. I've been choked unconscious. Yeah, yeah. I've been punched in the face multiple times. Here's the reality. If you, if, you, if you train and you fight long enough, the, in, the injuries are going to come. Are gonna, yeah. At the time that we were fighting, you know, headgear was non-existent. You know, these smokers, we would just go and fight. And it was, you know, it was dumb. And you're young and you think you can do anything. But, I mean, massive injuries. You know, I've had, you know, I broke my jaw, my orbital socket, my nose. You know, I've torn my retinas twice. You know, I've broken, I mean, everything. I, on and on and on and on. But what it does, and, and here's the truth of it. What it does is it, it calms your mind. Yes. You know, I don't want to fight. I don't, want to, I don't want to fight anyone. You know what I mean? I, I just want to enjoy my life and enjoy my day because I get all that out. And like, for example, I'm a nurse. And listen, and people who work with me know I have never had a bad day. I don't come in a bad mood. I'm always smiling, loving, and I don't think I've ever seen you in a bad mood. I've just, I, I don't. I've been with you through yeah. some dark shit. Yeah. And even then, I don't think I've ever it's, seen it's, you in a bad it's mood. It's a decision. 
yeah. that you make every single day to, like I said, you got to enjoy your life. And I do. And I love my job. And fighting has given me this gift. Because listen, when I was younger, I was aggressive. You yeah. know what I mean? I was, I could not, to me, if there was a verbal altercation with the man, it was a fight. I knew no different. Yeah. You know, and as I've aged, you know, that, that goes verbal, away. Verbal jujitsu. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's really huge. Called? What do they call it with the police? I think they call it like uh, de ver verbal de-escalation. Yeah, I, I'm not... I think they call it verbal judo. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what it's done and what I see with high-level fighters, people who train for long periods of time, whatever you want to call them, okay, what I see is these are the calmest, nicest humans you can run into. I mean, look true, at your law. True practitioners. True practitioners. Not, not, not for sure. Yeah. Not the Instagram guy that has two fights and now he's, you know, Conor McGregor. Yeah. We're talking about the guys who dedicate their life to this, the guys who put in the time. 10 plus years of this compete you know test themselves train every day don't disappear these humans are just kind yeah. they're just kind and they don't they don't that that part of them is tame if that makes sense and uh, i've never come across a guy that's been a lifelong fighter who is a terrible human or yeah. a bad it just doesn't yeah. they don't come together well you never see more men hugging each other <laughs> than you do at jiu-jitsu absolutely I mean, right you know at jiu-jitsu it's not you know it's not uncommon to have your best friend sitting on your face for or, sure you know have the, your best friend's crotch in your face <laughs> or to be you know snuggled up behind him and and for those of you who that's you know, an aversion to them, you, you get over that really quick. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if adding the, the, the potential for being choked unconscious kind of <laughs> <laughs> makes everybody cool with it. But um, there's it's so much camaraderie, so much love, and I just formed so many relationships. And for me, when I started, and I mentioned this with Jalal, it was, it was probably the first real struggle that I had in my life, which was when my mom was diagnosed with cancer and was told she was going to die. And me as an only child, you know, I loved my parents so passionately. And they were, we were like three friends. Yeah, you know? yeah. And the prospect of losing my mom just sent me on this spiral. And, you know, I very easily could have gotten into alcohol. I very easily yep. could have gotten into drugs. I very easily could have gotten into smoking. Uh, but I think it was Jason Scarborough who said, <laughs> you know, Hobson Morris just right up the road from you. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And he's like, do you know who Tiger Woods is? And I was like, yeah. And he said, okay, imagine Tiger Woods at Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu Hobson that's Morris him. right up the road. That's right. I mean, literally people don't realize Hobson oh. Morris is like friggin' Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, whomever. I, I'm, I'm one of the myself. best, one of the best in the world for the a long, yeah. long, long. I mean, if you read BJ Penn's book. Right, yeah. BJ Penn it was mentions UFC champion in two different weight classes. Yeah, I mean, years. you know, mentions how Hobson was was a big part of his training. Yeah, you know, back when. It's just a sweet, again, another beautiful man. For you sure. Know, I, I say this. I, say, I I don't mind saying this. There's just beautiful men that I I love. They don't have the toxic masculinity. Yeah. They're just they're just good, good. They're good to their wives some of them are good to their husbands yep. they're good to their children they're good to their co-workers their, their co-workers their superiors they're just beautiful men and, and you mentioned the the comfort that it gives you i as a bigger guy have always had problems with crowds yeah i hate i hated being at football you know the bucks games yep hated going to concerts you're a target well, not only that, but I'm just in everybody's way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody's bumping into me. Yeah. Everybody's stepping on my foot. Yeah. I just feel like I'm boxed in. Gotcha. And when I was doing that, it went away. For sure. It went away. And not like I was thinking, you know, I whatever, but I just, it's, I just, there was one day I was like, wow, I don't even think about that. It anymore. heals 
so many things that we don't even realize, you know, that we that that we don't realize we have the issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not just about the aggression and yeah. stuff like that. It 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 fulfills you. I mean, yeah. you accomplish. Here's funny, something funny. Um, when you go to a jujitsu class, okay, we just talk about jujitsu because there's lots of fights, but jujitsu specifically. I've gone against guys that are wealthy. I've gone against guys that are, you know, successful in life, like way beyond a level than I could ever be. And in that class, they are, they're like children. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 none of it, it, it's the great equalizer of the world. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what you may have accomplished or whatever. Oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're, when you step in that environment, and if you do it right, because that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be, you know, to be open to it. Um, if you do it right, none of the things in the outside world make a difference. And and you could have a guy that, you know, like you said, like could live a shanty by the sea and he can murder you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then when you get around him, you're like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Here's the, you know, the ultimate, the reality of I can take this from you if I want. Right? Well, that's that's really the, 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 the two coolest things. Well, there's so many cool things in jiu-jitsu, but just, just here's here's a couple of them. One is the story of how it came, and, and, and I used to be able to quote it chapter and verse. I've gotten a little bit soft on it now. But basically, Helio Gracie uh, was watching, I guess it was his brothers or his uncles or whatever, uh, train. They had been taught some form of uh, regular jiu-jitsu from, I think it was like a king or something, Japan, that traveled around. I know I'm butchering this, so forgive me. You're doing right, though. But Helio was not a physically um, imposing figure. I think he had respiratory issues he was the run of the litter a smaller guy very frail and he was watching his brothers do this and he figured out how to use leverage not size and technique to uh, balance the scale so with jiu-jitsu there are weight classes when you you know there, there are size if you have people equally skilled size does matter absolutely but if they're not equally skilled you know, I remember the first time Dina came to watch me when uh, I was training with Hobson. I was, so they call it turtling up. So you, you get on your knees and you tuck your elbows in your knees and you're protecting your neck because you don't want someone to get around your neck. You don't want them to get your arms. You don't want to get your legs. And Hobson, you know, he probably weighs 150 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, maybe. Probably less than that. Yeah. And but he can feel like three hundred oh. pounds on you. Oh. You know that's another thing with guys that are good at jujitsu. You feel like your clothes are getting smaller. You just can't <laughs> move. So, anyways, I'm turtled up and Hobson's on top of me, and all of a sudden I don't feel anything, and then I feel this immense pressure right on my back. Oh, yep. And he jumped up and was like surfing on top of me. Amazing. And Dino's looking at the window. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, "Who's that little guy who's standing on top of you?" I was like, "Yeah, that's that's Hobson." Be like, Dino, uh, please never come back. Yeah, to class I was again. like, "Yeah, don't come. Don't yeah, come back. Don't come back again." I knew I was gonna. No. Uh, yeah. I would just, you know, it's funny. stage fright. But, uh, well, before you go, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm, as we're doing this, I have a 4.30 phone call with a client. I'm texting my paralegal, ask, ask him to give me 10 more minutes. Okay. Um, I want to talk to you about guns. Yeah. Because that's, uh, that's, that's something that I know you've become passionate about. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about, you know, I've asked about your views on it. How did that, how did that, how did you get into that? Okay. So, Guns to me are just an extension of of all the other things that I do uh, to make sure that I'm safe and my family's safe. You know, I, I I lift weights to be strong, right? I I do cardio to be healthy. Uh, I I box, wrestle, jiu-jitsu, MMA to protect myself. But the reality of the world is, is one weapon, one gun, takes all that away from me. So. Like I said before, with the gi and no gi, why would I limit myself? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It's you're just going to be multifaceted. You're going to be. It's a... another extension to protect my family. Now that being said, okay, as serious as I am about my jiu-jitsu and my boxing and my wrestling, I'm just as serious with my firearms. My children in my house train with firearms. I train with firearms. I I find people who are proven in this field who train operators, and I work with them. You know, I train weekly. You know, in my home. Uh, dry firing and doing the fundamental skills uh, with a gun, just like if I was, you know, boxing or sparring. Um, so again, it's it's an extension uh, of my ability to protect myself and my family. So as a uh, dyed-in-the-wool lefty, one of the uh, stereotypes that you see a lot is these militia type. Or, or they perceive gun owners as militia type. They're yeah. worried about the government coming yeah. to get them. They're worried about the Taliban coming yeah. to get them. They're worried about <laughs> minorities coming to get them. They're worried about whatever the thing is. And so in my experience of you, you occupy a much different space yeah, than that. Listen, it, I'm sorry to interrupt no, you. No, please. I think I've done it to you 50 the, times. If the, if, if the government wants to get my guns, they're going to come take it. Yeah. If they want to kill me, they're going to kill me. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a realist. You know, I support... Our government, I support any president we may have, right? Every president that I support regulation, right? Absolutely. And, Listen, know, there's a thing called the Florida gun trader. I don't want to give them any, you know, any uh, advertising. But here's the reality of guns here in Florida. I can go online. I can find any gun I want in the Florida gun trader. I can meet someone. I can give them cash, and I can leave with an AR-15, AK-47, shotgun, pistol, whatever. I've done it. I've done it many, 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 many times, Okay. Here's my, my, my issue, all right? There should absolutely be a process in which we are vetted. I don't know that process, Josh. I, I don't, I, I'm not a you know, politician. I don't know what the process would be. But there has to be some continual testing. There has to be some type of guidelines that says, hey, if you're a fucking drunk, you don't have guns. If you're a, a, a drug addict, you don't have guns. You know what I mean? It's I would domestic have domestic violence. Exactly. There should be a number of things that if you go through, you should go out there. If you're on psychotropic meds, you don't have guns. I mean, you know what I mean? So, yeah. but here's the reality. Common sense regulation. Abs- and I have no problem with any of that and continually. But here's the thing that you may disagree with. Once I'm clear, I could buy a fucking tank. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could buy anything I want to buy yeah. because listen, it's it's like the jiu-jitsu thing, Josh. Imagine this. You're a blue belt and God forbid if someone came into your house, God forbid, and you didn't have a firearm and they didn't have a gun, you could kill this person with your hands and your skill set as a blue belt with your size. It's a reality if they're not trained, okay? As a black belt, I can do it maybe a little more proficiently, but I can do it as well. Can you imagine someone telling me at blue belt level that you're not allowed to train anymore? Because you know why, Chris? You're too dangerous now as a black belt. It's just, to me, I view it that way as safety. I'm I'm not going to get into the definition of an assault rifle or armor-piercing bullets or bump stocks. Got it. Which are trash, by the way, but go ahead. But... You, those things you think, if you're cleared, should be... So let me, let me tell you, okay, just a quick breakdown so that we're clear, okay? I have a property of three acres. You've been on my house. Yeah. It's, about, it's about, let's say, 300 feet from my, my window of my bedroom to my gate. I have cameras. I'm not going to give the address, but I <laughs> love where Chris lives. Yeah. He's got his own damn lake in the backyard. He's got this little Wiccan, like, 
<laughs> he's not a Wiccan, but yeah, he's sure. got the, like this fire pit with all these cool yeah. chairs around. He's such, we live. A, such a great lot. We live. Anyway. So anyway, I have, you know, I have a gate and I have, you know, I, I have space bef- between my gate and my front door. Okay. Anyone who is proficient with firearms understands a 300 foot shot with a pistol is difficult. I mean, beyond it's difficult. It's tough to hit somebody. It is very, you're very... you're not spraying and praying. You yeah. only have two points of contact with a pistol. You have your two hands. And unless you train... And listen, I train and I suck. You understand what I'm saying? I would have a very hard time hitting some. So what does that mean? That means a car pulls up at my gate and two guys get out with shotguns, which are legal. Yeah. Legal. Yeah. Three rounds, five rounds, shotguns. So now you're telling me... And you me, don't have to be good with a shotgun. No. Yeah. If they just get close enough to me, I'm, I'm dead. Yeah. So now you put... I'm, I'm going to get my rifle. I'm going to get an AR-15 with a two, two, three round or five, five, six round that are, you know, small round, but effective. But here's the reality. With a rifle, I have seven points of contact. I can secure a shot at 300 feet without a problem at all, Josh. Under pressure, you understand what I'm saying? It's you a mean tool. With the ground, seven points of contact. Can, yeah, or even no, no. Mean, for example, if you if in training with a rifle, you'll learn. It's it, it's even a novice can shoot a rifle well fast. I shot a sniper rifle when I was in college because there was a it was a fair with law enforcement mm-hmm. and they let people go yeah and there was this gun that had a tripod on the front of it with like yep, shocks yep yep and the stock you could actually fit your hand into yep yep, yep. and it just sat on your shoulder yeah. in the scope For i don't sure. think i'd ever shot a rifle before my in my life and in like two football fields i got within like two inches of like a quarter gotcha the gun did like all the work itself it's a tool and when i say rifle i'm talking about my ar-15 yeah i'm talking about daniel defense ar-15 with an aim point which yeah. is a red dot and here's the reality it's a tool it's a tool that if I need to play something at, at, at 200 feet, 50 feet, 15 feet, I can shoot accurate, reliable shots. And here's the thing. And I don't have to worry about only seven rounds. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it, you're limiting my ability to protect my family. Right. Now, if I want to have you know, many of those rifles, if I'm a collector, that should be my decision. As long as I'm a responsible gun owner, I, I, I keep them well, which means locked away safe. Do all the steps that you should do as a gun owner. But again, people understand a pistol is it's not it's just unfortunately in this society Especially if somebody's moving. It's near, of course near it's it's impossible yeah. seven rounds at nine millimeter. You might get lucky or yeah. unlucky. And again here's or... something else. You shoot someone with a nine millimeter forty five they're going to keep coming unless yeah. you hit two different spots. You know, they're, yeah. they're hard of their head. So, again, um, I, I feel, me, for example, a, a, a good law-abiding citizen, I want to do everything I can to protect my family. And I want to have the best tools to do that. Um, and if that means it's an AR-15 with 30-round magazine, absolutely. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I say it with no ego and no condescension and no offense at all. But I, I really just want to know the question because I wonder about this. Do you think – I don't know how to – I'm going to apologize. You, you could just – I love you. You well, can ask I anything. I, it's going to sound, no, it's going okay. to sound snarky and I don't mean it's to. Okay. But it's okay. Do you feel that the world is, is out to get you? Do you feel that the world is a dangerous – Fuck no. Well, da- well. Well, it's a dangerous place for sure, but – Is the world out to get me? No. Okay. Am I more trained than 99.9% of this world? Uh, absolutely. Uh, but I think, unfortunately, I, I had just, I, I mean, a few months out, my, I think my point was proven. You know, I live in a... So this is where I want to end. Yeah, so yeah. So, so we'll, we'll go fast that. into this. Yeah. I live in a nice neighborhood. You've been there many times. Yeah. Um, good area. No issues, no nothing. Uh, I come home with my daughter one day, and there's a guy... Um, 
obviously high on, on, on some type of drugs and some type of mental psychosis, something. Are you a DRE? Do they teach you drug recognition? Of like course. They, I mean, we live it. Yeah. Like, as an ER nurse, let's so just be clear. Plus or minus, tell what somebody's it, on. It, listen, not only that, we can, you know, by your mannerisms, I know this is cocaine and or meth, some type of amphetamine yeah. type psychosis and or mental health issues. Either way, fucking dangerous. Yeah. Okay? And I deal with these people consistently er nurses doctors you know medics we deal with these people and it takes five and six of us to hold down the 160 pound guys so you know when and this is a reality so on my street in a good neighborhood and there's video on there everyone you know everyone's seen a lot of people seen it yeah yeah i mean and it's it's crazy and and you only have a portion of the video anyway this guy different part yeah i only yeah yeah, there's things earlier that happened that you and i discussed privately anyway so the guy basically like came after my car on my daughter's side trying to attack her. I was able to get past him, get onto my property. He continued to show like this crazy erratic behavior. He's bigger than you. Of course, everyone's yeah. bigger than me. Um, you know, kicking my fence, pulling down his pants, pulling out his penis. Just, I mean, you know, an obvious out of his mind, right? So in that circumstance, I see what this is. This is a very dangerous person having some type of psychosis. Now, I'm fine. I'm comfortable. I've called the police. I've done all the things I need to do, right? During that process, he's not on my property. He's in the street. Now, my 72-year-old neighbor comes out, and here's this going on. This guy directs his attention from me and starts going directly to my neighbor. So, you know, it forced my hand to get out and get in between them. And as you see in the video, I mean, my hands are up. I'm telling him I don't want to fight. I understand there's going to be a confrontation. Uh, I'm very calculated in what I do. Everything, every single thing I did in the altercation was thought out and experienced over and over and over between my jiu-jitsu and fighting and my experience as an ER nurse with these types of people. So the point of the story is, is I was able to control him without hurting him, without... It's such an amazing video because it just speaks so much to everything that we're talking about. Here's Chris, a a rational, smaller in stature human being, being, dealing with a guy who's, you know, clearly, clearly uh, out of control based on whatever, you know, you know, drug it is that he's taking. And Chris is able to very easily subdue this individual and basically could have just destroyed him. I mean, really destroyed him, and he doesn't. Chris is sitting on top of him while he waits for the police to get called. I think it had just been raining or something. There's mud or whatever. Chris is actually sitting there checking the guy for injuries and like wiping mud off of his face as he's sitting on top of him saying, don't move, the police are coming. Yeah. And I mean... God, if there's not a if there's not a sales pitch for jujitsu, <laughs> this video, you know, this yeah. video is it. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it really just it really just is such a great illustration of what I love about the sport, what I love about the the, the practice, the art form, and what I love about Chris because it's just uh, you know it's a so anyway. And I appreciate, it. but here's the part that that you know everyone is you know it's it's very exciting and it's it's you know it's nice that he didn't die, but here's the reality. My 72-year-old neighbor is on warfarin, a blood thinner, okay? And this is a lot of people who are older. That guy punches him in the face one He's time, dead. and he hits his head in the concrete. He's dead. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. Okay? My daughter's 95 pounds, Josh, yeah. okay? And she's home a lot often. She's 19. She's by herself, yeah. okay? Yeah. So it goes back to my thing. That man or my daughter, how are they going to stop this guy? Yeah. How? And we're not talking, Josh. We're not talking about, oh, you got punched in the face. I'm talking about... They're dead. Yeah. So those are the times 
in a good neighborhood where I have to say that I want to give my daughter, my neighbor, law-abiding citizens the ability to protect themselves, you know? So, yeah, a pistol might have worked. For sure. Absolutely it would have worked. You know what I mean? If, but you, if, you were able to take a less restrictive measure. Abs- yeah. And, and yeah. I have that skill set to do yeah. with time and dedication and training. You know, but a lot of people don't. Um, so, again, I'm not some pro-gun guy. I'm not this, you know, Second Amendment nut. I'm no, really Chris, not. Chris, Chris, Chris will he'll always text me and, and <laughs> you know, he's, he's – he's, I, I love talking to him because we're able to – find a, a, a mutual understanding on Absolutely. things, even if we come at it from a different angle. And so yeah, sure. I really always appreciate your views on things. And, and so anyway, I, my client is going to fire me. If oh I yeah. Don't, call her don't get in trouble. I think we've done about an hour. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming in. I always love talking to you. It was very nice of you to do this on short notice. Uh, I think we could probably talk for, you know, 10 more podcasts <laughs> on this thing. So Anyway, uh, you said you, you, you put out your email earlier. You said where people could find you, and yep. uh, I'll post that link that we're talking about. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, All buddy. All right, take care. Bye.